0: Welcome to another episode of the Copcast Podcast. We're coming to you after Liverpool 3, Brentford 0. I've got Andy Bell in Liverpool. I've got Neil Patterson in Donegal. Chief, let's just kick off with Brentford. It is... It's really good. For me, they put two really blatant threats as a side like they're not a complicated side but what they do they do better than most teams which is and hit you on the break with the the pace of of bueno and and wissa and they've got that that running with power from midfield and they're massive and they're good in set pieces and i think what we do is Aside from maybe the, the big chance Bremo has that, you know, we've got the best keeper in the world and we'll come on to that, makes a really good save. We're comfortable. We put the ball in the net five times. And it was one of those games where it just felt like it was only a matter of time. And that's what it proved to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say um, Brentford are a side that. Can cause any any team problems, and so going into the game, you know, you just you just want to get that first goal on the on the scoreboard and, and go from there because you know when you take the lead at home, you're 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 pretty much hundred percent guaranteed to go on and win the game. So once that once Darwin sort of netted the first time, um, and then the, and the second came in quick succession, both disallowed, of course. You, you, I mean, from then on, it was clear that, that a goal was coming, uh, a, a goal that was going to count, and, and it duly did. It duly arrived, and um, you know, from sort of the point which we fashioned that first chance for Darwin, we, we pretty much take total control of the game. I mean, it had been building up to that point anyway. Although that that move comes from Allison, sort of encouraging. Um, encouraging their front man right onto him and and um, playing the ball out from there and we create that and and stick the ball in the net Darren sticks the ball in the net so it had been made to look perhaps a little bit more hairy than it actually was for a couple of minutes before that because we'd been in, inviting them on to, to get in behind them really and it worked and I think from that moment they sort of they sort of shattered a, li- a little bit they sort of realised that you know, it will work. We What are we going to do here? We can't really, um, we can't really push up. We can't, you know, play our sort of natural, aggressive game because they're likely to get in behind. And, and we duly did uh, sort of again and again. It was, um, it was nice. I mean, we're very good at home. And um, we were, even though our season was, was pretty awful last season, we, we were still strong at home. And it's been a constant. And we look pretty imperious there at the moment. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was nice to see. It was good. It was a comfortable one. They had that chance with Bueno, but as you say, a great save. But um, he's also sort of thinking when he's running through that he has to be that precise. Um, there's every chance that it might not even have been have been going in. So um, we restricted them really well. We were we dealt with the set pieces pretty well for the most part, and. Um, yet didn't give them much of a chance to, to hit us in transition, to be fair.
0: Yeah, Andy, it's it's a game that people will look at and go, well, Liverpool home, Brentford 3-0, you know, expected. They, they They didn't have a great start to the season. But I feel like there is more context to be applied to this result because if I look at Brentford's record, you know, they, they start the season at home to each with Spurs. Everybody's favourite second team now. Um, they hammer Fulham. They draw it home to Palace. And their home form's actually been an issue. They draw it home to Bournemouth. Um, they lose 1-0 away to Newcastle, that most teams do. And then again at home, they get banged 3-1 by, at that time, a pretty dire Everton side. They lose 1-0 narrowly to Arsenal. And one is with Forest and, and, and two one D. United. Then they hammer Burnley and they beat Chelsea. So they are they're, they're five goals scored, none conceded in the previous two games. And it's interesting that the Chelsea game, people are talking that that's just, you know, it's not no surprise. Two weeks prior to Chelsea drawing 4 4 with Man City and everybody saying Chelsea are back so I think that results has gone under the radar and then they beat West Ham and then they rocked out to Anfield and they're 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 trounced and they haven't been trounced this season not by any stretch of the imagination and it's really really comfortable and I think this says something to me that there is an issue we had last season was against probably the bottom 12 sides that we struggled massively against. And this is just another indicator that that ruthlessness and relentlessness is absolutely back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And in pre-season, I wasn't ab- absolutely sure that it, it would be because we were playing this mad system with the fullbacks doing what they do, trying to come in infield at every opportunity, Robertson bombing on at every opportunity. And I was just thinking, like... Even the likes of Bournemouth and Brentford will just pick that off and they will play for that. Um, And we've tweaked that just so impressively well uh, over the last couple of months. You look at our home record this season, I'm just looking through it now. we won 3-1 against Bournemouth, 3-0 against Villa, 3-1 against West Ham, 3-1 against Leicester League Cup, 2-0 against Union Saint-Giloise, 2-0 against Everton, 5-1 against Toulouse, 3-0 against Forest, and 3-0 against Brentford this is absolutely a Liverpool side that is made to twat the bottom 10. And people sort of in, in the football cliche era of the last sort of 15, 20 years talk about those, those seems as flat track bullies and listen, three points against Brentford is the exact same as three points against City. If you're not beating these teams consistently at home, there's no point in beating the top six away uh, and at home. It's, it's the exact same results. And, We look like a team that's very much set up to to hammer the top ten, hammer the bottom ten home and away. Obviously, the Luton, you would hope, is the anomaly to that, but it looks like we're just set up to to stick three or four past these teams home and away. And it looked like a a little bit last season that we would we could score one or two, and we were relying on our defence to keep them out at the other end. And as you know with football, it's random. There's variance, and you can't always rely uh, on luck and the other team can get one or two, and therefore you can drop home, uh, drop points at home uh, and away against the bottom teams, as we did last season. So I think it's really impressive what we're doing at the minute. You know, our midfield looks a lot, lot more positive. you have got McAllister in the six, who I think is getting better and better every week, even though I don't think that's his natural position. Sobosly, I mean, what can you say about him? What a revelation he's been. I think he's, he's actually looked quite tired, in recent weeks, and I think that's a bit of a concern for me because we've just been playing him and playing him and playing him, and he's been our go-to. But last season we didn't have a go-to, so that's a nice problem to have. You've got Gravenberg coming through, you've got Curtis Jones, who's had an incredible start of the season. You've got Harvey Elliott, who's looked incredible off the bench as well. And just compared to last season, our midfielders looked so, so much better. And we've looked like we've we've just got so much more options, even if we do get injuries, even if we could we do get players here knackered from playing cup games or from uh, the international games and it just looks to me like a team who you know they come in in europe or they come in the league cup and you fight for your place and there's actual meritocracy there like we saw at the start of the Klopp era where like players could come in play well and you're in the league team it seems to me that's what gravenberg has, uh, gravenberg has done it seems to me that that's what uh, elliot is doing at the minute And it looks to me like if you come in the League Cup, if you come in the Europa League, you can actually get into the Premier League team when there's an opportunity for you. And I think that's so important for squad harmony. I think it's so important for squad competition. And just in general, they all play perfectly into the system uh, that we want to beat the top 10. And if you give yourself that basis of 54 points uh, or 60 points against the bottom 10, then you give yourself a good chance of winning the league.
0: Well, yeah, 60 points against the bottom 10 and then, you know, you win your other eight games at home uh, against, the, or, sorry, your other nine games at home and you know, what's that? 87 points? That's a kick in the ass off of winning the league and that's what we've got to do, Chief. Um, I think what was I think what really resonated with me was, you know, I watched the Toulouse game and we were we were poor. It was a changed side, but actually when, when he brought the big guns on at halftime and after 60, I think it actually made us worse. Yes, we should draw the game after stupid nonsense, but I think Klopp's comments were scathing after the game on just the work rate and the energy and the desire and the, you know, uh, just that cutting edge of swarming a team, everything that has made these Liverpool teams great. And I expected to see a response, but like what a response, because I thought off the ball, we were absolutely unplayable and unmanageable. On Sunday, which was just great to see with those extra legs in the middle of the park, as Andy's talked about, it's made a huge difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and particularly when you consider we we did we were pretty short on midfield options at the weekend, given the the suspension of McAllister and Jones being injured and Gravenberg not being being fit. Um, so. It's exactly what you wanted to see, is right. But it, again, it was a re it was a re reaff- a reaffirmation of um, Liverpool's credentials in the Premier League this season and and in the serious competitions. Because obviously, the Luton game was sort of referenced there a minute ago by Andy, and um, it was a bit of a put a bit of a damner on things. Because I mean, obviously, we're talking about beating uh, the bottom ten home and away. And um, there's one that's, that's gone by the wayside. But last year we would have lost that game. You know, we can see the goal like that. 82, there's no way we're, we're getting an equaliser. So, again, it's, it's kind of a kind of a step forward if you look at it like that. But um, we needed to, to, to come back with a bang in the Premier League, particularly after, you know, throwing in that one in, in Europe as well. I mean, personally, I think you can write off the European game because of the, of the nature of it the way the fact that we we are pretty much absolutely guaranteed qualification um and um we were we really were trying to do it in second gear um so but I
0: think Chief, for, that, that that's probably the ideal moment to throw a performance in like that because, because it gives the manager the excuse to like have that conversation and hammer that point home with well, min- with with minimal impact on your season?
1: Oh totally. I mean you think of the year we won the, the Champions League and, and hit what was it ninety seven points in the Premier League. I mean we, we go to Serbia and get get handed one by Red Star you know um on the way through there. Um in fact I think we lose. Do we lose all our away games in the Champions League group that year? I think it's it's very Yeah possible I think we sneak we, we sneak through with nine points, don't we? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And we go on to win the thing and, and, and put in 97 points. So, you know, these things do happen. The the important thing in, in those competitions is, is to get through. And I know we all want to win the group and avoid the, the Champions League dropouts and whatever. But I think we're, we're pretty assured of, of that anyway, as long as we, we do turn up when we actually have to. Um, so that one you can kind of write off. But Luton was a bit of a kick in the balls. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, so. To, to get back on the horse in, in such good style was was very welcome to see. And, and there is a bit of a question mark on, on the away form sort of arising at the minute. You know, you can sort of, as I said earlier, before the pod, you can, if you take each game individually, there, there are mitigations med- in, in each one. But if you take the thing as a whole, it, it doesn't look that great. So, um Obviously, a big a big away game on the horizon, which we'll come on to talk about later. But um, but yeah, it was a great response, and now we're, we should be welcoming some more midfielders back into the fold. Obviously, McAllister's suspension is served. Hopefully, Curtis Jones and, and Graver- Gravenberg will be back in the fold soon enough as well, with only only supposedly minor injuries. So all good in on that front.
0: Yeah, it's it's encouraging. Andy, let's get the R. Big mate, Darwin. Uh, <clears throat> loved his performance on Sunday. Scores through just like goals, fine. Um, but the encouragement for me was just that desire to drop deep, that that desire to get involved, do it in a really nice and tidy fashion, and you know. The, the first touch and assist for Salah is, it is kind of Firmino-esque. And this is the development I've been crying out for. And I don't care if he doesn't score, like, loads of goals. Because you have a pile of other guys who can do that. But if he can provide that function around it, and that facilitation role, Um, and defend from the front, which Klopp was at pains to express after the game. This is now starting to look like it could be a staple of what we do moving forward.
2: It started to look like it could work. And that's something that I haven't said for 14, 15 months of Nigel's yeah. career.
0: This is and what I took from somebody. This is exactly what I took from somebody. Listen,
2: me, me and you have been on the on the same side from very early doors. Um I'll hold my hands up and I'll be completely honest. And I'll say in the summer, I would have sold him for 65 million, for 60 million. Yeah. Um I just didn't think it would work. I thought we got it wrong, I thought we got our scouting wrong. People always said, the finishing will come. And I was like, what's this really based on? Because Timo Werner kept getting in good positions and missing the chances. So I was like, the finishing will come. Well, it doesn't always do so. This season, he absolutely is showing a different side of his game. His hold-up play has improved tenfold. There's absolutely no doubt about that for me. The um, the linking up with the the, the wingers, uh, whoever it is, Jota, Diaz, Salah. Um absolutely Gakpo absolutely has improved. There's no doubt about that for me. Um last season it looked like you know, we went from Firmino, who was perfectly leaning up with the uh, the wingers who came in field and complemented perfectly to someone who just couldn't really hold the ball up and just went to score goals. And when when we didn't have that space in behind, that goal scoring opportunity wasn't there for him. And that he was so limited last season for me. However, this season he has started to add something to his game, and I've been impressed with him. I mean, I have to tell you a story from Saturday. Me and my mate Michael, uh, who I think you met, Dave. We Michael, uh, we stuck a bet on in the game beforehand uh, in the pub beforehand, and we thought we'll, we'll stick a few we'll stick a few quid and goal scores. Um, and we had a look at the Premier League fixtures that day. So there was Brighton. So we stuck a Dinger to score, which was about four to one. Um, and he did in the end. We stuck Bowen to score, fairly standard. Watkins to score, again fairly standard. And Nunez to score. Uh, stuck four pound on it. It came to 160 pounds in the end. Um, and Michael was sending me throughout the game. He was like, "I want the other three to score because we'll be in the ground for when Nunez scores." And honest to God, the pain when every fucking uh, when every fucking substitution board went up, uh, and his name wasn't on it. Just not the same score in the end was heartbreaking, but that's a personal story. He's, honestly, I think he's uh, I think he's a, a excelled himself. At, uh, my issue with Nunez has, has always been he's got this sort of cult following online, um, and that's absolutely fine because there's a, a following who wants ultimately a Liverpool number nine to do well, and that's great. Um, and it's great that we support him at every chance. But we've two other very very capable strikers there, and Cody Gakpo. He had a superb finish the last season in the number nine position, uh, brought us to 10 wins out of 12. And Dio Gujada, who's had a superb start to the season as well. And the cult Online seem to have to slag off those two in order to support Nunez. And that's what I don't get at all. I think you have to look at these three that can play centre forward for us as horses for courses. You have to look at it and think, right, Nunez is brilliant for this game. Villa at home Una is gonna come with a uh, with a high line. Let's get Nunez bullying and running behind those defenders.
0: So oh, like totally like, like I'm absolutely star- I don't give a fuck what city's in. I'm starting Darwin away at City.
2: I am I am as well. But I think there are certain games where you start Gakpo if he's in form, not right now, because he's not in form. And I think whether it's on the left or through the center, I think Jota is just on fire at the minute. I think Jota is so so sharp. Uh, it's incredible. Um, some of the things he's doing right now, and that little run where he, it's very hard to describe, where he picks it up in the middle of the pitch, and when the defenders are running backwards or tracking backwards, he's absolutely deadly from that position. He scored two or three goals already, where he scored from that position. I think he scored against Toulouse at home in the Europa League. He scores one against. Uh, he scores one against lose away as well. And, and, and the other one the other day, he picks up in the centre of the pitch and he just takes it through two or three. It, it's really, really, it looks like it's not that hard a goal, but nobody else does it in our team. I just think uh, Diogo Jota, he's, is, he's, he's understated, but he is coming into form at absolutely the right time. And I think if we are the challenge for the league this season, Nunez will be overstated, Gakpo will be overstated, Diaz and Salah will always score the goals. Diogo Jota could be the man who actually pushes over the line. I think he's brilliant.
0: Yeah, it's, it's that that run and maybe his body shape and just how he looks like he doesn't do a lot and just runs through your pass players. Beryl said this before and I agree with him. It's very Suarez-esque yeah. in that regard. Um,
2: but no, nobody else do you, picks the ball up in that position and you think that's a goal. Jota does and you think he's going to work this.
0: Yeah, he's, he's he's so direct. This is probably a, a criticism I I would have of Diaz, although I love him. I would love him to be as direct as as Jota is, because he's not concerned with, you know, throwing the leg over the ball, dropping the shoulder, um, you know, standing somebody up, changing pace. He just gets the ball and he just go he just goes. He shifts his body, he finds a gap, and he's away, and. Yeah, he's our second top goal scorer this season with eight goals, and we've seen the stats. He scores all different types of goals: left foot, right foot, header, back post, front post, outside the box, um, poachers' goals, Dave, everything.
2: Diogo Jara is an absolutely sensational footballer, and our fan base don't
0: respect that enough. Yeah, I, I, I think. I agree, but I think as a finisher that is the thing that is most underrated about him. Chief, let's go to the other end of the pitch. Um, I think a game that we were really going to see the strengths of Virgil van Dijk was, was Brentford. He's rested during the week against Toulouse, probably specifically because Klopp saw this challenge and Boy, did he excel. And the statistics show that he's literally top of the majority of centre-half metrics in the league this season.
1: Well, yeah, he's still, he's still the best in the world. And um, he's refined that vein of four um, and that class that obviously dropped off a little bit um, in during the the recovery from his injury but he looks like somebody who a player who who fully trusts his body again now and uh, is on is on the top of his game or at the top of his game so um his minutes are being managed obviously a bit more now he's a bit older he's had the injuries so he's not being expected to play every minute of every game and i think that's that's helping too so it's class i mean he was imperious um, and if you can rely and uh, translate that that sort of home form to the um, to the away games as well as we go through the season, if you can rely on on that kind of defensive solidity solidity in there that um, centre back pair and offer with along with um, the big man behind them, um, then we're going to be a really tough proposition. You know, because when we were at our best, we were we were mean. Um, The season we we won the league. I mean, I know after the the covid break and and sort of coming back after the six weeks off or whatever it was, um, things went a bit a bit awry. But in the first in in the part of that season that was proper, um, we conceded very, very few goals as we went to 26 wins out of 27. So. If you if you've got the, we have got the best striking striking options in the league. Uh, yes, City have got uh, Haaland, but you know we've we've got five absolute um, absolute worldlies there. Um, so we have got the best goalkeeper in the league, and if 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 the best centre back in the world or in Europe is back on top form, you know that's that that's. That's your spine right there. And then you were talking earlier about Jabozlai and McAllister and, and mentioned our quality in midfield as well. I mean, you've, you've got a team that's really going to be in the mix all the way through. So it's brilliant to see Verge back. It, I mean, there's the clearance off the line, which is exceptional. It's just like, you know, get off me, have some of that. No, no chance that that's going in. You've got the, and the it's the it's nonsense in, in which in
0: which he does it as well. It's not it's it's a bit like Do you know when Alison tips
1: one over the bar and he doesn't like roll around on the floor Jordan Pickford-esque afterwards? No, I mean it's it's the speed and force that he does it with, but yet as you say, the the sort of coolness, you know, it was never it was never going in. Um and it's a quality moment. There's the moment where he sort of ups his pace slightly to Um, To make the tackle on probably Embuemo, I can't remember who it was I know Um, what you mean And I think TFC for me That was the point when I was watching the
0: game I was like That's the first time in a long time That I have seen And if you remember That was Almost You know That was almost a trademark Of how he defended That mm -hmm. A player looks like he's going to get in behind him and around the back and he just puts the afterburners on over four or five yards
1: and just casually knocks it away from him for a free kick. A I mean, absolutely. But I think that in general, the way we're playing as a team is, is helping and the way he's playing is helping the team. It's sort of a chicken and egg thing, you know, or it's it's, it's a virtuous circle. Um, we looked like ourselves. And when I say ourselves, I mean the best version of ourselves on Sunday. We dominated the game. We penned them in. We played the game in their half. Their chances, although one or two decent ones, are very, very limited in number. And you know, even at our at our finest, we were giving away big chances uh, more often than not. The other team tended to miss, and generally it was because they only got one every twenty minutes, and um, at at best, and um, um they had to beat the best goalkeeper in the league. Um, and that, you, you know, you know yourself, we we had the, the, the Gea hoodoo way back when, the Balotelli season and all, that it gets into strikers' heads. They they know the keepers, you know, they know their quality. And, you know, they, they try to be more precise. And with that, it, it, you know, comes out added pressure and chances are you're, you're going to miss that chance. So... Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 we we looked like ourselves. Like I said, we 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 played high. We dominated. We we steamrollered them essentially, and and we just um, never really looked in in. It, it never looked in any any real doubt at all. And now we just need to start converting that form to, to the away games as well, or or at least the results, because I think we've we've put in some good performances away from home as well. Lead uh, Wolves, Newcastle. Um good wins. Um, we were great at Spurs, obviously, under the circumstances. The the only one that sort of sticks in the crow a bit is, is Luton. So uh that's the next step. If we do that, then you know it's another title race.
0: Yeah. Andy, as good as good as Van Dyke has been, um we are outperforming our XG against. And i know people can turn the nose up at this stuff i think it's a pretty decent indicator of overall performance if you strip away the actual numbers um especially over short periods of time but we are oh hold on my eyesight's going yeah we're we're scoring as many goals as we probably should but the statistics would show that we should probably have exceeded five or six more goals than we have based on chances created. Now, I think it's an interesting conversation here that is that because we could be better defensively or have we made a decision that we're prepared to take the additional risks to facilitate the potent attack and threat we have (coughs) Because we know we've got the big, beautiful Brazilian bastard standing there, ready just to save everything. And is that the is that the risk reward that we're playing right now?
2: I do think that it's interesting too. Like I think the XG metric is. It certainly does drive a lot of data analysis these days. So you've got like. You know Brentford, for example, who literally were the first onto the XG metric, who signed players who were undervalued because they weren't scoring as many goals as the chances suggested they could have. Um, and there seems to have been models, and, and the models are are very different, but teams, certainly professionally, seem to have models which are fairly accurate um, based on how other teams value, value players based on the goals they've scored. And absolutely fair play to them. Let them roll with that. Um, however, I sort of think if you sign a goalkeeper for sixty-six million, and you get it absolutely right, like we've done, you sort of allow yourself a little bit, little bit of leeway with that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I sort of feel like if you've got that completely right, then you allow yourself 0.3, 0.4, the other way, in order to create chances. Um, and create goals, and I suppose so. The difference is so the difference is positive, and you win more games. I think while statistics and XG uh, against are, are massively important, I do think there has to be something said for just signing like identifying and signing a really fucking good goalkeeper who keeps out no, chances that should go in. Andy,
0: and yeah, I don't disagree with that, but I, I suppose the argument that I would have is if. Jose Mourinho, for example, had Allison. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't look at that additional contribution In keeping goals out at the other end To adapt the way his side played To take additional risks But
1: To score Jose more Mour-
0: goals
2: Jose, so Mourinho's I mean? never, Jose Mourinho's never hit 95 plus points
0: No, I, I get that But I'm, I'm talking about the mindset here And it's fine having the best goalkeeper. But I, before. but I,
2: but I think it. I think it's more of a balance, Dave, than what than what you're suggesting.
0: I think. Mourinho, I'm not suggesting. I, I'm just asking a question.
2: No, no, I'm. I'm. not. I'm not suggesting. That you, I'm. I'm not trying to be difficult. But.
0: You're not suggesting that I'm suggesting, yeah.
2: I'm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to be difficult, Dave. But Mourinho had a massive focus on the goals conceded if you have a massive focus on the goals conceded, inevitably your goals scored is going to drop as well. We're a team that scores 90, goals a season. So we're not going to become a team that concedes Mourinho numbers while still scoring Klopp numbers. It is a balancing act. And I think when you go and sign the best keeper in the world, and listen, we pay big money, but we didn't pay like, we didn't pay like 150 million to get this keeper. We deserve to have this keeper keeping out some goals that he shouldn't keep out because our scouting was better than other teams. Um, and he, and he's done that for for so many years. And I just think when you look at our team now, we're, the front three, okay, you can have your chat about Salah. Salah, how many years more is he going to do this with us? Nunez, you can have your uh, disagreements on. Diaz, I've seen a lot of people talking about Diaz and I completely disagree with it, but he has his... Uh, He has his debate as well. Jota and Gakpo. I think we're scoring enough goals up front. And if you've got the goalkeeper right, and it's nothing to do with money, but if you've selected the right goalkeeper, he will keep out more than he should keep out. I I don't think everything should be based on the XG. I think it should be like, right, we've bought this keeper. He's going to skew that data and we need to do what we can do. Because listen, at the end of the day, City and Newcastle in a few years do have more money than us. They will spend more money than us. They will get players that we can't get. At the end of the day, we can't really compete with that. So we have to look to something else and we have to get players in who want to play for the badge, who want to play for Liverpool and who want to play for Jurgen Klopp. Um, And we have to find a niche somewhere for those players who want to play for us. And Alisson is one of those and he can reverse those statistics because otherwise it just becomes a game of numbers. It just becomes a a game of XG. Who creates the most chances inevitably will they'll create the most goals, I, I still think, I still honestly think that, forget your Tottenham's forget your Arsenal's, who are absolutely good teams in any other Premier League era, but I do think that this Liverpool team is the only team that has the mentality and the quality to compete against this Man City side
0: Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that Teeth, I suppose, just to throw the question to you as well I um, we, we had Allison, as you mentioned earlier on, when we were a really mean solid defensive side, we conceded negligible amount of goals in our in our stride to to win the Premier League. So we've seen Klopp set up a side that is defensive and also has the best goalkeeper in the world. So you expect With Van Dijk at the time, best centre-half of the world, best goalkeeper in the world, wasn't taking the same sort of risks. In fact, that was a fairly pragmatic side that Klopp created that that went and won the league title and got to the Champions League final. And I just wonder now has... I suppose the question that I was trying to ask is has Klopp's experience with Alisson and how he's performed... And how he makes more saves and certainly one-on-one saves, best in the world by far, influence Klopp in saying actually we can be a bit more adventurous here to go and try and hammer teams like we've seen us do. A bit more akin to the very early Klopp-Dortmund approach.
1: Um, I don't know I mean perhaps over the years you know it's bound to bleed into his thinking you know um, we had a very sort of functional midfield in those days as well so we were a more solid team in, in general um, but we, I said it earlier we gave up big chances in, in those games as well I mean, you, you you don't remember them because we, we won the games. The chances weren't taken and we go on to win the games. So they're lost to history. But if you go back in and watch games in the title winning season, we do give away chances. We just don't concede the goals. Um, And I don't think, I mean, if you look at Brentford there at the weekend, I don't think we really conceded many chances. I think it would be on a par. There was the, I can think of the one big chance with Mbwemo and then there's a header In the second half, I think. And that's all I can really think of. Um,
0: I think that's the point I'm making, though, Chief. We're prepared to give away maybe one big chance a game. One massive chance in the expectation that our goalkeeper is more likely to save it than any other goalkeeper on the planet.
1: Totally. But most teams give up at least one big chance in a game. I mean, you can reference Mourinho or Conte, but I mean, they're anti-football, aren't they? You don't want to watch them. You don't. Want you can do as much. Football. You can do as much numbers
2: as much as you like. What you've just said there, Dave, that must play a part. We can afford to concede one chance. Yeah. And he'll probably fucking save it. So, we do give something more going the other way, and there's no doubt we have done that this season.
1: I mean, that's the whole team is based around that. The whole way we play, the high line, pressing up having a, a keeper who's brilliant with his feet and really cool on the ball, it's uh, added to which he's, he's awesome in, in all the other ways we've, we've talked about already. It, it's all geared towards that, having the best strike force, having, you know, that quality in midfield now with, with the likes of Sabozlai and, and McAllister in there and Gravenberts in there. You know, we've got we've got a formidable side now uh, and it's all geared towards dominating and and sort of Destroying teams, essentially, you know, playing on the front foot and and looking to pen them in and looking to be relentless, playing with intensity. So that's the whole style of football. So. Obviously, it all it all, you know, connects and leads in. You sign the players um, that you want to create the system that you want. And that team that evolved and eventually won the title and then sort of uh, went for the quadruple and, and finally disintegrated. Last year, it, it had many sort of different guises. It, it evolved, you know. In that run to the Champions League final, where we're hammering City three nil, we're we're sort of going, um, we're flying into the lead against them, you know. We're we're five nil up in the, in the Olympic or in the at Anfield against against Roma, you know. So we're putting teams to the sword, and uh, as you said, then we we get a bit more, we get a bit meaner. Um, and, you know, we, we, we kind of go from there. And if you look at the quadruple, went inside where, went inside, the, the side that went for it and, and sort of won the cups that year. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit of a mixture of both, you know, because um, by that stage, Thiago's playing a, a massive part. So there's a bit more sort of creativity and stuff in the midfield in there. And we're, you know, we're playing sort of more expansive possession based football. So, this is now a reboot, and we're in sort of—I don't know—year one and a half, I suppose. Given that it kind of started last, sort of last season, with with, with Nunez and Diaz coming, uh, not not too long before that. So, in a in a very long-winded answer, yeah, it all it all ties in, and we can't afford, as as Andy says, to take that to give up that chance because we're backing the keeper to save it. Or to do enough to put the striker off, at least.
0: Yeah, I thought about this the other day. It's it's mad to me that Allison, the best goalkeeper in the world, has conceded, what, 10 goals in, in 12 Premier League matches. And didn't we score eight against him over two games? Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's insane. And then... And then sign it. But that
2: that 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 was a fucking insane Liverpool attacking team, though.
0: I know, I know. I just, I just, it it was just humorous to me. That's all. Um, Andy, like we're in, we're in better than Nick than I thought we would be, and my mind keeps flicking back to the the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and you know, do we get a point or potentially even three from that game, if you know the Diaz goals allowed and, and where does that put us and how does that maybe change the narrative around Liverpool and I would hope that those are conversations that are happening within in the club and in the dressing room um, but to me we feel a bit ahead of schedule here yes we've, we're not a perfect side and we still need work but I feel like we're ahead of schedule and, and with City's games coming up um, ourselves and Spurs at home and then Villa away Who have the best home record in the league And let's be honest Look like one of those sides that are tailor made To give City a really fucking hard time We could be going into the, the Christmas period And people talking about us As genuine title contenders Potentially even top of the league
2: Well I think, I think They should be already um, I'm not someone who like Goes for it and says we're going to be We're going to be title contenders this season And we're going to win the league And this that and the other Because I absolutely understand how great And how much of a job or not And how different um, compared to other eras This Man City side is Like this is a team that can get 95 plus points every single season And I don't know if there's Manchester United fans Listening to this I know if there are they will get offended But I will say it straight This Manchester United the Manchester United team the last 20 years just to get anywhere near this Man City team it's a different level of quality that Liverpool and Man City have set and to be fair even you can argue that Arsenal threatened to set last season and I'm not I'm not going to apologise for saying that because the points tally and the maths and the numbers suggest exactly that
0: so yeah but, st- but standards set standards Andy right you know you only have to beat. You only have to beat the best team in the league. And if the best team in the league get eighty-five points, you only need to get eighty-six. But but
2: but, you, Chelsea, you know but Chelsea one season got ninety-plus points, and United couldn't live with them. So so I, I do think there is an element. And listen, Sir Alex Ferguson was brilliant at it. Sir Alex Ferguson was genuinely brilliant at beating the bottom ten sides, Home and away, and getting sixty points on the board, and picking up what he could from the rest of them. Uh, And that's absolutely something we can take from that. However, we're dealing with a different era. And this is when I see like teams like Tottenham and Arsenal, who absolutely 10 years ago are good enough to be in the title race. They're not fucking good enough to get 95 points, man. Those two teams are not good enough to compete with City and Liverpool in this era. Now, City will absolutely be of that level. Whether Liverpool can be is up to us we're the only team, and we've done it twice already, and we could do it a third time. We're the only team who's matched them for mentality and quality over the last few years. And you've mentioned the fixtures there. So, you know, we've, uh, we're have we a point behind them right now. So City, City playoffs, listen, I'd, I don't know if you're looking to, to do a chat about this, Dave, afterwards, but I'd certainly take a point there. Spurs at home, they've a notoriously bad record against them. Villa away, bad record against them. I think I said in the last podcast... From their next three, I didn't think they'd pick up nine points, and from our next three, I thought we would, and I was right that they wouldn't. They drop points to Chelsea. Obviously, we didn't expect us to drop points to Luton. However, I was right in what I was really thinking in that in a proper title race, we pick up we pick up nine points there, and they drop points. So, I think that context has come into it. I think we need to go to City after the international break, thinking, like, just get a point there, stay in contact with them. And ultimately, we all know City can go on a 12, 13-game on-beaten run after the the turn of the break. We all know they can do that. We know we can do that as well. And we just hope to God that we can be the one, we can be the team that's a point ahead. But all you can do is keep contact with them. And after Luton, it looked like, like we might not. And right now, we go into that game A point behind them, so it's absolutely Fucking in our hands, it's absolutely in our hands We've got a team that can go there And win, we've got a team that can go there And draw, and it's up to Jurgen Klopp to pick That team, to come away with something And to get to Christmas within touching Distance, because if we can do that, we can absolutely Win this league
0: Yeah, look like, well, I, I feel Like we are Farther ahead You know evolutionary or developmentally or whatever way you want to put it then i thought we would be at this point um i was expecting this sort of ambition um or expectation this time next year but you know it's like it's we've lost one one game and well it's two games now after that to lose the bottle but it's that game in the spurs game in like 30 matches or something um We haven't lost a game at home in front of fans since 2017 it's starting to look like this team is absolutely in the mix and i think i said if we won the last four games we would probably be sitting top of the league if we had have won them we would be and we've talked about cities next three games Our games leading up to Christmas, um, which is Arsenal at home on the 23rd. Um, We have, oh, we've obviously City, and I agree with Hannah, they take a point there. Fulham at home, Sheffield United away, Palace away, and then Manchester United at home. And that takes us to Arsenal on the 23rd. Half five at home. And then Boxing Day away to Burnley, and you would hope playing the way we are going into the new year that we are absolutely still in touch, and that's what we're halfway through the season. Then that's a statement for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, listen, we're I fully agree. We're in we're in better shape than I think any of us thought we would be. Um. And that's testament to, to Klopp and to the recruitment team and, and to the team they've they've put together and the, and the belief they've instilled there. Um so you know, City is obviously huge. Um a point there would be would be great. But to go there and win would be psychologically huge, I think. Because not only would it would it sort of prove to them that they can they can do it, you know they can actually they can they can beat this city team again. Um, because let's be honest, we had them where we wanted them for a number of seasons. Um, in terms of the head to heads, so to to get back on that horse would would be brilliant psychologically for them, and at the same time it would literally put us top of the league and and put this a gap, a two point gap between us and them. Same number of games games played. So we would have that slight advantage and we would be. It would then be be ours to lose. Um, And once you beat them, if you beat them, then you can beat anyone. So there's nobody you fear. And, And that sort of fixture list you round off there. Certainly the first four leading up to Arsenal. You know. You'd, you'd back us to get 12 from those four. Um, and if you landed with 10 after beating City, you'd be happy enough. Because while I don't think Spurs will give them any problems because of the injuries they've got now and the way the the, the, the bubble has sort of burst a little bit for them, I do think um, if they have to go to Villa Park, that's tough. Villa have won, I don't know, it's something ridiculous, the last 14 home games or something. Uh, won, not unbeaten but victories, so um, and I, I think that in um, that that's stretching back to last season as well. But they've won the, something like the last 14 at home, so um, that's going to be tough. Emery's a good manager, City are good this season, of course. They're always good, there's, there's no doubt. Good is probably an understatement, but they're not as formidable for me. As they perhaps have looked in the past, um, so, you know, points have been dropped already by them this season. They, they, they I think it's telling that. Um, the Rodri goal. Against Chelsea isn't the winner for once. You know what I mean? Usually when he scores. It's that type of goal And it's a a goal in a game I just saw
0: Sheffield United away All over again when I watched
1: that Sheffield United away There's the Champions League final goal There's uh, A goal at the the, I don't know, there's another goal this season I think, or last season Where he he gets the decisive one later on Um, And for me When that flew in, I was like For fuck's sake, he's done it again And they've done it again, I've seen this movie before and for it not to be a winner and for them to be pegged back again was was different you don't see that very often it's a collector's item so we can we can go there and do them damage and i and i really hope we do because it could be massive but at the very worst the very worst you come out of there even if you lose you're what a maximum of, of four points off um so it's still it's still there. Um, you don't want to do that, obviously, as a for reason of just outlined. So at the very minimum, you want the point. But I think if. Um, you know. All things being equal, we go there and, and, and really have a, a good go. I turn them over.
0: Yeah, Andy, like for me, the psychology of this team looks different. Last year you know from the, from the very first game away for them. you could see when things started to not go our way we we fell apart and we made it really easy for other teams to make it not go our way um this year you know most points won from coming from behind a number of late goals four red cards, complete adversity. And, you know, I keep coming back to the frustration of the Spurs situation, but I wonder, is that fed into that as well? Enabling us to create that siege mentality. We've also brought in, what, two national captains into the midfield. So there is this very Klopp-Liverpool-esque just alter fuck you resilience that looks to have been recreated that I thought we'd lost yeah
2: absolutely and you can understand that the loyalty that he, he showed to the players like Henderson like Fabinho um, like Wijnaldum over the years how that impacted us positively and you know there's a lot of talk about Klopp's loyalty is his biggest weakness but I think it's his biggest strength as well Because I don't think you build a team With a You know, a tenth, an eighth of the budget That can compete with Man City well,
0: Andy, see, sorry, just to cut across here, I'm sorry, see right. for this, okay. this is why Klopp doesn't have a three year Shelf life Yeah, it's It's as simple as that This is why he's able to build, rebuild And rebuild squads Because he doesn't alienate everybody around him by just sacking off the people that he can't be fucked with he works with them, he nurtures them and if it's not going to work for them with him he helps them on their way somewhere else Totally
2: and I think I think that's so important because if you literally put us offering the best amount of money and Man City offering the best amount of money and the same thing here as be- the same thing there they'll choose Man City because they can win more trophies there and they can probably do better there, and they can get a better move there. So you have to think of a different niche. And we've done that over the years, whether it's with Edwards or whether it's on uh, under the current system. We've done that for years. And we said to the likes of Grafenberg we'll rehabilitate your career. We'll give you the games that you actually need to get back up to the level that you are. Grafenberg's a brilliant player. Soboslai, the same. Very lucky to get him, but I feel like it's like a Jota. It's like a Mane. It's like a Salah signing where we sign him when he's just on the crest of a wave and he's ready to explode. And I think he's ready to just explode to be that world-class player. And I think we've we we've got back to doing that again. And I think that's so important because if you're just looking at the best players in the best positions, Man City and Chelsea will offer them more money and will offer them better contracts. So you have to offer them something different to want to come to Liverpool because ultimately they don't give a fuck about the things we give a fuck about. And that's what I think we've got absolutely right in the summer transfer window. And we look like we've sorted that midfield out. We've got so many options. Now, I think Elliot is just a man reborn. He's gone from a man who was in a dysfunctional midfield last season. He was a good player in a dysfunctional midfield last season to a good player in a brilliant midfield this season. And we're now talking about him as the best substitute in the country. And I think he's literally that good. And there's an argument about his injury and whether that's affected him. But... The extent to which Klopp trusted him before that injury and at the start of last season, I think speaks absolute volumes. Like he's a really, really good player, and we just need to absolutely trust him coming off the bench and making a difference. Newcastle, he won us the points. A game recently at home, I can't even remember what it was. Um, somebody can maybe help me out, but he absolutely won us the points. He came off the bench, he provided like an assist or a goal or a key pass that won us the points. I think Elliot's like just. Even though the competition around him has been arguably well, it has been better. His game has raised to that level. Um, I think the argument of like yeah, but it's it's,
0: it's, rules away. He sees the victory. It's it's the cross for Diaz. It's the cross for Diaz at Luton.
2: Yeah, Luton's a prime example. I think there was another away game before that. Luton away is a prime example. There was absolutely nothing in that game that we could create a chance out of. It was a tight pitch. It was a small pitch. We were really struggling. Elliot, for the first time, and you knew the minute, I think it helps that the the fact that the Sky Sports camera was right behind the goal. You could tell from the minute that left his foot that that was a dangerous cross, and I didn't get that feeling from 15 minutes onwards. I think that's so impressive that he's done that, and he deserves his chance in the Europa League, not on the right wing, by the way. But he's not a fucking right winger. He deserves his chance in the Europa League to show that he can come into that, that midfield the way Jones has done. And the way Grafenberg has done, Sabaslai and McAllister. And it's so exciting looking at McAllister because for me, I don't know about you too, but as much as he's occasionally struggled in that position, I think there's absolutely no doubt, looking at Alexis McAllister, that he's an unbelievable footballer and he will be an unbelievable footballer for Liverpool. And if it takes a January to get someone in so they can play in that position, I've no doubt about that. If he is our number six, I trust him to to, to play in that position and to to excel in that position. I just think as much as there are ways you can get at him, I think he's a sensational footballer at heart and there's no way that Klopp doesn't work that out.
0: Yeah, fair. Okay, just to wrap us up. Chief, give me an 11 for City and a score prediction just because I feel like being a prick. He forgot to mute yep. anytime, chief. Anytime now, I'm not ending this out by the way. No, I, I, I don't want you to. <laughs> All right, uh, um. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, well, back five. Um, I mean, Gomez has picked up a knock. Uh, hopefully, he's back in, in the fold. I suppose the question in the back
0: five, chief, is are you, are you going Kanate or Mata, both being fit. Well I think
1: Matthew was out again, wasn't he? I mean, is is he likely to be fit? Is he in, is he gonna be back in training? Has he Let's just say he friends? is. Let's just say he is for the sake of argument. Well, I think I'm playing Kanate, then if he's hundred percent fit, I'm playing Kanate, because I just remember that um uh semi-final against I him at, at, at Wembley and he, he just he eats them. So.
0: That one where we can see two goals, that one.
1: Yeah,
0: three,
1: players it, players but doesn't it end three two? He's class yeah. in that game. Um, so anyway, I'm going Canate if he's fit. But I, if 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 Matip plays, it's it's not an issue. I would I would go with with Ibu. Um, I don't know Simakaz or do you do something with Gomez? I'm I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure there. Um, pick one chief
2: because I'm debating that myself, and I'm going to pick one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I probably I'd probably err on the on the on the Gomez side, um, but I don't know. That that's 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 the big question. I think in midfield, McAllister's back in. Suppose lie um, Jones if he's fit, um, maybe Gravenberg if he's fit. But I would I would say Curtis Jones gets the the nod, and then
2: if they're both fit, are you going for? Jones over Gravenberg.
1: Yeah, I think I am. I think I'm going for Jones. And then up front, Nunes, Salah, and Jota
0: Okay. Score.
1: Score. Hmm. 2 1 Liverpool. Love it.
0: Andy.
2: um, is is there a doubt about Ederson?
0: Let's just, regardless, let's just say all our lads are fit. Of course, there's a doubt because sure, Rodri's. Yeah, there's always, yeah, always, yeah,
2: always yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, uh, fair, fair, discomfort, yeah, yeah. whatever the fuck that means.
2: Yeah, totally. Okay, I go, Allison. Um, Trent. Oh, um, I would marginally favour Madip. I don't know if he will, but I would marginally if you ever matter, no issue with Kanate. Um I think I think he'll go Simicus. What would he do? I, I would ever so slightly go simicus because I think with Gomez, just the way they play with their their position, uh de Position, whatever that fucking translates that as in English. I think if you've got a centre half or if you've got a left back, he constantly comes in field. I think they'll eventually get on top of that, and they will. They will do that. So I think you risk the madness of Simicass, um to play. Um, and like well, the other thing is, what do you say to Simicass if you drop him for this game? You've dropped him for Luton. What you know? You've been brought in to be the second choice left back. The first choice left backs out for two months. What the fuck do you say to him at that point?
0: So yeah, you know what I think's mad though in this whole conversation, it's always Simicass or Gomez, mm-hmm. right? Now, if you're going to put Gomez there...
2: You're going to say Van Dyke, aren't you?
0: Well, why don't, why don't you just do Canate, Van Dyke? He's not going to. No, I know that, but what I'm saying is, if you're going to put Gomez as the inverted left-back, mm-hmm. why would you just not go... And I don't mind which one of them you put there. Why don't you just go the three senior centre-halves in those three positions? But Van, Van Dijk, ever, not, Van Dijk ever said is that. dragged out, ultimately, doesn't he? Well, but, but is it is it worse than having Joe Gomez there?
2: No, I I I would go Simicas because I think we need to carry a threat. I think if we go there with a the left back who's new, interest in crossing the halfway line, I think they'll eventually wear us And think they'll eventually. Yeah, and I think
0: to... look, they're going to play an, an inverted right back thing, and mm-hmm. I think if you have somebody wide on the left hand side, that's going to cause them problems.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: No, I agree. Um. But I would, I would go Simicas. Um Midfield, I would go... Mc, McAllister has to play. Sobosla has to play. If both are fit. That's a difficult one. I think you go Gravenberg. And I love Curtis Jones, but I think you go Gravenberg because he's done absolutely nothing wrong in the games that he's played. And I know he's had a bit of an injury, but Jones hasn't even really come in for him during that injury and shown loads. So I think the shirt is probably still Gravenberg's. And I think when you think about their midfield, your likes of Rodries, who's a big, big physical player, Soboslai and Gravenberg are physical. And I think you have to just say to him, I back you for this game. And if it's a disaster, and if we're three or 4 nil down, you learn from it. Um I don't think Jones is an absolute sure bet in the sense that it's worth risking that. Um, Salah plays, obviously. Uh, for me, Diaz plays, there's no doubt about that. Um And I do think, personally, I go Nunez. I think he'll go one of the other two and bring Nunez off the bench, and I'm not a varsity either.
0: Okay. Interesting. Jones Gravenberts, I think it depends whether he wants to try and maintain a bit of control in the middle of the park or does he just want to. Do you remember that time we went there and started the four up front, John and, and, and the I three? I loved that. Do you remember? And we just went for them, just drove at them. And that seems like almost like a prototype of what this side is. So I wonder if he wants to do that and just go, you know what, fuck it, let's just go and try and batter the fuck out of them. He probably goes driving bursts with those driving runs in midfield, beating mm-hmm. players, committing players. And that creates an overload. If he wants to go a bit more controlled, he, he goes Jones, so I don't know. I think there's a shout that he starts giving the international break. Um, Salah Gakgo Jota.
2: I don't think he plays. Uh, I don't think he
0: plays I don't
1: know. I I, I just know. feel if like if he does go to batter him, if, if he does go to batter them, then then Darwin, 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 Salah and Diaz will
0: start, won't they? Listen, I mean, uh, listen. The, I think in at in any other time, I think that's not a conversation.
1: I just wonder right. how much if we
2: we've all given our teams. What's your team?
1: And what was your score prediction, Annie? Uh,
2: my score prediction is one each, and I'll take
0: that. Okay, I'll I'll go I'll go your back for it's fine. Um, I'm no. I'm abs- I'm absolutely fine with the. I feel I feel like if you play Jones, you give Simicus license to go forward and more cover and support. To stop that side getting exposed, so I probably go Jones, and then I go Jota, Nunez, Salah, because.
2: I, so I, so what, what? What's your midfield three? slide Jones, and McAllister. Yeah. James Lye, yeah. Jota, Nunez, Salah. I, I, I can see that. I, I, don't think there's any world in which he doesn't start to get us personally.
0: I don't know. I, I just feel like, for me, Jota is, if if you give anybody a chance in that squad. Jotta is Aside from Haaland actually If you give anyone in the league A chance Jotta's the most likely to finish it If you take Haaland out of it I and
2: I, I don't disagree But how many times Out of 10 does he get a chance At City away How many times but he's, that,
1: he's that type of player though that Do you know what I mean just, he just get, he just, He'll score that first goal
2: I, I, I absolutely love Jota But that's what Klopp would be thinking If he offers nothing else How many times does he get the chance And is that worth starting him
0: Yeah look I, I feel like we, we are a team that Is built around creating a lot of chances A lot of chances We scored Second most goals in the league Our um, XG is the highest in the league We create lots and lots of chances Against City those chances will be limited. And I feel like if you're gonna have limited chances, you have to have the guys on the pitch that are most likely to stick them away. And for me, that's the Ugajara.
1: So who you play, are you playing are you playing Kanate or Mathev?
0: <sighs> Probably Kanate.
1: So yours is the same side as mine except for you've got semi in there instead of Gomez.
0: And I'm playing, I'm, I'm playing Maddox. And you're playing Diaz?
2: I'm
1: playing Diaz, yeah. Alright. I'm playing
0: Gravenberg as well, yeah.
1: OK, alright. Well,
2: I think you will do that too.
1: And your, <laughs> and your score prediction then, uh, Dave? 3-0
0: <sighs> <sighs> <Three-nil> the Reds. <laughs> <You>. <laughs> what
2: was your prediction, Chief? 2-1.
1: The reds
2: like, okay. Uh, one each right now. Are you taking it? Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, totally. it's, 100%. it's yes. 100%. Yeah, right. we Amazing. haven't won there since 2017. Yeah, no, but imagine, imagine if we go there and turn them over. Like, mm-hmm.
0: I I can't see a world where we do uh, do uh, Klopp's first season mm-hmm. where so we're like one, one? 4 or 1, four, because, one but, but we're because three, Peps, no, we're... Pep's team weren't the same at that time either, so. No, they weren't. But Pep's team were that side whenever they came to Anfield, and twice, and were put away within the first twenty minutes. Three times actually. I
1: mean, the the, the, the games, the, the, you know, there've been some tight ones, but there've been some fucking big. Big victories either way You know We've battered them several times They've battered us A couple of times Yeah no,
2: not They've not really battered us At Anfield Is the only thing Well they no. did
1: batter us From the COVID season and yeah, four that so. Oh yeah 4-1 um, was it again? That doesn't yeah. count
2: on our, on our title lift Does count What I will say is I went to 10 away games Last season When uh, People who have away tickets Didn't give a shit And uh, Were giving them away I think I went to Nine defeats And one win At uh, Sorry Eight defeats, one draw, Southampton One win at uh, Leeds So my first away game this season is City away So
1: expect fucking nothing basically
0: That's fair I, I, I just
1: You can be our lucky charm Andy
2: Well I can give someone else the ticket if you really want if you
1: promise <laughs> me that's the thing
0: <laughs> I genuinely feel like the teams that have really caused City problems this season We are like a steroid-induced version of those teams,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's why I think we can go there. We can absolutely catch them cold right out of the blocks, and the game could be dead before they know it, before well, they have a chance to realize what's happening. See, see,
2: last, last season, Dave, as well. Like we we go one nil up there, and we end up losing four one, but we have a a golden chance for two 0 which comes directly from an Allison goal kick, or from a sorry, from a kick from the hands. And that's this exact same goal as what we scored at home to beat them one nil. Yeah. Last season, so so that is that that is ultimately your way out. If we go ten 0 up there last season, even with how brittle we were, I still think we come away with something. So there is a way of getting at them. Pep knows it. He's insecure, and uh, and we we just need to play on that ultimately. I think. Yeah.
0: All right. So Liverpool top of the league Saturday afternoon. Happy days. Um. Until next time. Up the, look, I don't know international break rates. Fuck it, yeah, fine.